So um, I'm just really glad to be here today. Are you glad to be here? Thankful that the Holy Spirit is here. Did you know when you feel his presence, it's the presence of the Lord is here to heal. Healing presence, his presence, it's all the same. So you guys feel the presence of the Lord. I do. I just walk in there and I feel the presence of God. God is here to meet your need. And um, I just want you to get yourself, I know you're probably already there, but position yourself in a very strong receiving way. This, the, the, the conference is titled New Beginnings. And I honestly believe that we are in a place in the body of Christ where God is positioning his church and getting us ready to launch us into a higher realm than we've been walking in. And he's, he's doing some internal work with us, dealing with some issues, getting some obstacles out of the way so that we have, um, you know, that clear pathway in the spirit realm to be able to tap into what we already have inside. You know, sometimes we think that um, when we read that scripture in Ephesians that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and we have this image of someplace out there God is and the blessings are, and we have to reach out there and grab them, right? Is that what you think? Am I the only one that's ever thought that way? Yeah, okay. But in the reality, we, we know that Whenever we were born again, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, came inside of us. That resurrection power is in the saints. It's in us. So it's not a matter of us trying to get into a portal and go to heaven someplace because we are already positioned there. We are seated in Christ in heavenly places we are there already that's our position in christ and his spirit dwells in us and everything that we need for life and godliness has already been planted in our spirit so when we want to see god move we need to begin to stir up the gifts of god that are within us and begin to realize that everything that jesus hung on the cross to give us has already been deposited in us. And the, what we have to do is overcome these thoughts that are in our head, get past those, pulling down those strongholds so that we can access what we already have. You believe that? Okay. Father, I thank you that you are here by your Spirit, Holy Spirit. We thank you. We don't even have to ask you to come because... We brought you in us. You are here among us. And whenever there's two or three gathered, we can feel your presence among one another. We can touch one another, pray for one another, edify one another, lift one another up, encourage one another, prophesy over one another because your spirit dwells in us. And so, Father, I thank you that you are helping us to come into the fullness of who we already are. And Lord, we just bless you this morning and thank you this afternoon for the, for the uh, revelation to be able to uh, come against some of the lies that the enemy has put in our head that has created a barrier or a blockage from the, from the power that's in us beginning to be released. 
And we thank you for that, Father, today for your revelation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Doesn't it say in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul's prayer is that the eyes of our, he prayed that the eyes of our spiritual understanding would be enlightened, that we may know the hope to which we have been called. Do you know that you have been called? You are called by God. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And every one of you, like I said last night, you are revival. You are a walking powerhouse for God. And what has happened to us as Christians is the enemy has come and tried to um, block the truth in our mind. Is that right? So what I'm going to do this morning is, you guys have been powerfully prayed for, I'm going to put on my teacher's hat today, and I'm going to ask you guys to pass out. I've got a handout for you with blanks. There you go. And there will be a test at the end. This is, you know, I had wanted to actually te- do, do a little bit of teaching on this, and I kept thinking, Lord, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sad that I don't have that extra time to be able to share this. And, uh, and uh, yeah, there we go. And, you know, this is a teaching that I wish that I had had many years ago. And it's just so simple, so simple, but I think that it's something that is going, I hope, is going to, transform your mind and maybe even transform your culture in your church because actually it has ours. I have people that have put this handout on their refrigerator to remind themselves of this teaching. So why don't we just jump right in. Um, Isaiah 54 says that no weapon formed against you will prosper and you will refute every tongue, say tongue, every tongue that that accuses you. This is a heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Now, a weapon we think of as like a gun or something like that, but the reality is the tongue is a powerful weapon that can be used, and the enemy uses the tongue, even our own tongue, to bring destruction to us, right? Yeah. So, so we're, we're talking about uh, tongue, in other words, using that as an understanding of a weapon. We also have heard, and we, we quote this often, uh, Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit of what you say. Whatever you say, you're going to, it's going to produce fruit. It's going to be evil fruit or, or, or good fruit, and you're going to eat it. I guarantee you, whatever you say will come back in the form of fruit, right? That, that passage of Scripture is a is a spiritual law, just like a law of gravity. It's real. And I know that, you know, there was a teaching 
years ago uh, that maybe some people considered hyper-faith and we kind of threw the understanding of, of the power of our words out. We threw the baby out with a bath is what we did. And it's time we get back to the reality of the power of the word of God because God spoke and he created the world. God created out of something we couldn't see. He didn't create out of nothing. He created that created out of something we don't see. We don't have the eyes to see, but that unseen realm is more real than this physical, tangible realm because that unseen realm created everything that we can see. So we need to begin to understand that just because our eyes have not been created to be able to see into that unseen realm doesn't mean it's not real. It is more real than anything that you and I have ever touched, tasted, smelled, felt, or anything else. And the enemy would come and try to tell us otherwise. In our scientific age, if you can't measure it, it's not real. But beloved, put a virus under a microscope, you can't see that. But that microscope can see it. Doesn't mean it's not real. It's there. And just because we haven't touched into it and we haven't experienced it doesn't mean it's not real. For example, electricity that we use today. It, static electricity was discovered about 600 years be, before uh, Christ. It took about another thousand years after that to be able to create static electricity. Now, was God keeping the laws of electricity from people like Moses and David and all of those wonderful people back there? He didn't want them to have electricity. Is that true? They just hadn't discovered it yet, right? And then along comes a guy, flies a kite, you know, and then electricity and then a light bulb, and then all of a sudden we've lit up our world. And those people in the Old Testament times and New Testament times and even 200 years ago couldn't imagine living with what we have today with computers and cars and all that kind of stuff flying around the world. Just because they hadn't experienced it didn't mean it didn't exist. And it's the same way in the spirit realm. And beloved, believe me, there are things that we have not yet experienced in the spirit realm that is yet to be experienced. And we are going from glory to glory and glory to the glory to the likeness and image of Christ. And we're growing in our understanding. I mean, think about turn of the 20th century. They hadn't really identified the baptism in the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden the 20th century turns and God just pours out his spirit in an amazing way and today we take for granted that we can speak in tongues using the gifts of the spirit prophesy to one another but beloved you know 200 years ago it was there and there were some people who tapped into it but not the majority, not like today. This has been called the century of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right, Zach? So just because we haven't experienced something doesn't mean it's not there. 
And there's not higher heights and deeper depths and greater revelations in God than what we've experienced. I believe a hundred years from now, there's going to be people who look back on us and go, can you believe they, they, they actually were sick back then? Yeah, they, they, they didn't walk in divine health like we know how to walk in today. I'm looking for that day. I want to be a Madame Curie in the spirit. She discovered an element, you know. I want to discover a new element in God. Hallelujah. That's not my message. That was just on my heart. <laughs> All right, you guys have your handout. My husband's going to get a handout. The first statement, the first blank I want you to fill in there is deception, by its very definition, is a lie. And we don't know it. I mean, if, if we knew it was a deception, would we, would we believe it? No. Deception, by its very definition, means we believe it and we don't even, we believe it's true and we believe a lie and don't even know it, right? And so... What, what ends up happening is the enemy comes along and he deceives you with a thought. And the first, first one there, it says, any thoughts that are hopeless are deceptive lies that originate from the enemy. Any thought that is hopeless. Because Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, beloved, if any thought comes into your mind that feels hopeless, that has fear in it, upset, anxiety, worry, anything like that that's attached to it, that is not a thought from the God of hope. Do you believe that? So if you ever feel defeated, if sadness washes over you, if you feel tormented, if you feel tense, all of those things are not from the God of hope, who is the God of peace, who is the God of joy. Amen? And so we need to begin to identify. And most of the time when the enemy puts these thoughts into your mind, they come as the first person. He doesn't say, you, stupid person that you are. What does he say? I am such an idiot. I can't believe I do that all the time. I'm always putting my foot in my mouth. I need to keep my mouth shut. I can't believe how stupid I am. Has anybody ever heard those words? Most of the time, too, these thoughts started when we were little teeny kids. The enemy doesn't play fair. He comes along when you, you know, you hit the ball and you missed it and everybody laughed at you or you ran to first base and you fell down or you were the last person to be picked or you name it. He comes along and he tells you, or you, you listen to your parents in an overheard conversation, and because you don't have the, the skill sets yet 
to be able to evaluate what mom and dad are saying, you translate it into another way, and all of a sudden you feel bad about yourself because you heard them say something. Now, for example, I have three master's degree and a PhD, and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not really dumb. But I, when I was in the second grade, I brought a report card home, and I heard my grandmother and my aunt talking about my report card, and they, they were over there saying, you know, she's not that smart. I don't know what we're going to do with her. That kind of a thing. That's how I translated it. And so I began to think I'm not very smart. It took me years in school, summa cum laude, to begin to say, you know what, maybe I'm not that dumb. Beloved, you hear what I'm saying? Have any of you had any of those experiences? So the enemy comes when you're just a little innocent kid and you can't defend yourself and he begins to say those things in the first person to you and then you grow up with those and it just becomes who you are. This is who I am. I've always been this way. I'll always be that way. Yeah. And we just accept them as facts. We believe they're true. They've always been true. And then what ends up happening is we act upon those and we make them true. Oh, we just reinforce, 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 right? I'm such a failure. I'm always, I'm, I'm always going to be sick. How about that one? I can't do this anymore. I might as well quit. There's no use trying. If people knew what I was really like, they wouldn't like me. Nothing ever goes right for me. Any of those sound familiar? Beloved, it's time that we expose the enemy. Now, I put a little blank there. So, Papa, right now, I want you to bring to our remembrance statements that we have believed a lie and it's been a snare to us. What is that lie? Write it down. Fill in that blank. Anybody want to expose your lie? What's a lie? What's what is something that some anybody want to share? I'm worthless. Will this thing ever change? You'll never be healed. Going to have to live with it. Anybody else? I'm just not good enough. Did everybody fill in a blank? Because every one of us have experienced that. And it's a hopeless lie from the enemy, not from the God of hope. And so when we, the, the, the point is we need to, recognize this deceptive lie, right? 
Let's go on. Second, if you have a thought that you cannot counsel someone with, that's a fill in the blank. If you can't counsel someone with that thought, that's probably not a God thought and you need to have another thought. Right? I'm going to counsel my grandson. You are so stupid. I can't believe you hit the ball like that. Would you counsel somebody? Would you counsel a child like that? Would you counsel your friend with some of the thoughts that you have running around in your head? So why on earth do we counsel ourselves with that? So the next time you have one of those thoughts, you need to say, okay, let's say that thought out loud to someone else. Yeah, and you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to, it's like, uh, is, it, is it Psalm chapter 1 where God sits in the heavens and laughs? That's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to sit there and go, I can't believe that's actually running around in my head. That is so crazy that I'm a, what? That's good. Okay, Bruce is, Bruce is amening me. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. A third thing. Any thought in your head that makes God look bad. Makes God look bad. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we bring into captivity every thought and make them obedient to Christ. Good theology is this. You want, you want to know, you can take systematic theology one and two, and the best thing that you can come out of there with is this. Good theology is this. God is a good God and the devil's a bad devil. If you can get your theology boiled down to that, you're going to make it in life. Those thoughts that says, God won't meet my need. God won't heal me. God will never forgive me for that. These are thoughts from the enemy. And those religious lies are particularly hard to get over. Man, I grew up with those. I grew up in a strict, Pentecostal, wonderful family. But my interpretation of some of that stuff came out with a bad, bad image. I just came out with a bad image of God, that God was strict. He was there to snap me every time I did something. And I never got snapped by my grandparents, you know, but I still thought that that was how God was. That was my image of God. So if you have any kind of an image of God that makes God look bad, who do you think that might come from? Isn't that funny? It is funny, isn't it? Especially when you start just putting it in as simple terms like this. You're such a sinner. You think that, that, God, do you think God ever says that to you? 
however much I need. I love that. I have the good, the guy in my church that my husband just absolutely hates sometimes because I'll say, how much time do I have? And he'll go, you got all the time you want, Pastor Connie. And Bruce will go, (laughs) 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 that's true. not here last night okay just a, just a few of you were not here you watched online good for good girl ding 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 good job you get a star <laughs> um i had such a poor image of god and i i really did not comprehend the love of god for so many years of my life i love god little girl i love god i'm not sure god likes me you know <laughs> Daddy, please love me. That was a prayer that I would pray to this. Not, Daddy, please love me. Can you imagine? In Ephesians, it says he loves us greater than anything we could ever ask or imagine. And so when we were in China, I, I used to spend probably about six hours a day in prayer. I love to pray. I love to, to be on Papa's lap. But he taught me a new dimension of crawling upon his lap. And just like he took me last in, in my closet experience into my mother's womb and I was reborn again. He took me as an infant and let me nurse at his breast. And then year by year, he raised me up, giving me a new image of Papa. He said, I'm reparenting you. And basically what he did is he took all of those lies and stripped them away. And I got to sit on his shoulder and kiss his cheek. And sometimes my my loving him would cause tears to run down his face. I could feel tears. It was just he was so moved by tears by my love. I had a whole new image of God. I say that because I love what Patricia King says. I'm going to give you my experience, and you use my experience until you have your own. Take that. Crawl up on Papa's lap because if he did it for me, he wants to do it for you. And if there's a hindrance for you doing that, it's because there's some lie that is blocking that. Because he loves you and he, do you, do you have, any of you ever have a Yorkie? I had a Yorkie. She just passed away. I loved her to come on my lap and sit and not say a word. She couldn't say a word, but her eyes and being with me was everything. And if I enjoy the presence of my Yorkie like that, oh, sweet sister, how much more does your Heavenly Father love your presence like that? And if you have a bad dad image that makes you, that blocks you from being able to crawl up on daddy's lap because maybe you didn't have a father that was able to express love and hold you, let go of that and get back into daddy's presence. Amen? That's a sideline. Another sideline. Is that good? Okay. 
This is a weekend of new beginnings. So how do we identify, number one, the next thing, I think it's turned the page over. How do we identify the lie? How do we identify? It's down at the bottom of the page. How we identify that deceptive lie? When I, I kind of shared it with you already, you know, is that a God thought? Would God ever say that? Then you can say, I see that lie. And, so, and, so, and then say it out loud. Just, I, I, I just challenge you, say that thing that's running around in your head, say it out loud, and then you know what? You'll probably laugh at it. Because that's just the stupidest thought I ever had. I think I'll have another thought, because that's not God thought. I'm not going to partner with that thought. Right? Give you an example. A few weeks ago, things... Things were going tough at church, and I know Pastor Kevin never has any tough times in his church. I mean, it was like, it was a bad week. It had been like a bad run for a while. And I was physically tired, I was spiritually drained, and I walked out of Sam's Club and I had this thought, I can't do this anymore. You've probably never had that thought, Pastor Kevin. What did he say? He pleads the fifth. (laughs) I can't do that anymore. And I identified that, that I've been having that thought kind of surface for some time. And all of a sudden, right, walking in the parking lot of Sam's Club, I stopped and I said, that thought is a lie. I'm going to have another thought. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I begin to replace that lie with the truth of God's word. Amen? I said, you know what? I recognize that lie. That's a lie of the enemy. I'm not going to partner with that lie anymore. I pull that lie down. I'm going to replace that lie with the truth of God's word. And when you do that, beloved, it breaks the power of the enemy. So the l- number three is you replace. So number two was I come out of agreement with the lie of the enemy, and I pull it down. I see that lie. Say it out loud. It's ridiculous. I don't partner with that. Number three, replace the lie with the truth of God's word. Replace the lie with the truth of God's word. You say, I am stupid. What would, how would you replace that with Ruth? I'm stupid. No, I have the mind of Christ. Amen? So when I'm up against something I'm struggling with, I say, God, I know I have the mind of Christ. I know the thought is here. I know that the ability is there. I'm going to reach out and I'm going I'm to pull up on, right? So you begin to... I can't do that. I can do all things through Christ. Isn't that what Jesus did in the wilderness and how he defeated the enemy? The Son of God put on humanity, came into the earth. He brought the kingdom and, I mean, direct conflict with the kingdom of darkness. And the way that he defeated the enemy was with the word. He's the living word. He spoke the word of God. 
And the enemy, it says, left him. He defeated him. And beloved, that is your role model. That's your model. Amen? Number four, sit in your place of power and authority in Christ at God's right hand. Remember Ephesians 1 says, God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Jesus is our head. We're his body. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are one with Christ. Everything that we need for life and godliness is inside of us. And the only thing that stops that great power from flowing is some of those lies that we have believed. And so God wants us to be strong, brave, and very courageous and stand up and do the work that he has called and commissioned us to do. He said, all power and authority has been given to me and I give it unto you. We have been given power and authority, the same power and authority that Jesus has. He says, you go and do what I've done. I do. He says, ask anything in my name and I will do it. Beloved, those are not trifle words. Those are words from God who spoke everything into creation and he gave us those words and when we start believing that those words are real and begin to identifying the lies of the enemy that has blocked the power of those words from activating in our lives and we start pulling those down and start believing this word the living word instead of that Beloved, we're going to go on to that new level that God has created for us to walk in. Whew. Amen. Let's see what else I've got. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It is a gift of God. It's not about doing, beloved. It's already been done. It's already finished. There's not anything that you can do to be better than who you already are in Christ Jesus. It's up here that blocks us. That's why we've got to identify these lies. Recognize the deception. Pull them down. Replace them with the truth of God's word. Yeah, hallelujah. And then number five, last one. Declare and hold fast to the confession of your faith. Declare and hold fast to the profession of your faith. Jesus said for us to wait <clears throat> until we receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. <clears throat> Peter stood up, and he had definition to what has just taken place. He quoted from the prophet Joel, and he said, In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. We are created to be the voice of God in the earth today. We were created to prophesy. God created with the words of his mouth, and we are created to do the same thing. So we learn, need to learn to prophesy to one another the great things that God has already put inside of you and call that gold and that glory out of one another. And the first person, who would you think the per first person is that we need to learn to prophesy to? 
Oh, they got it, Dad. They got it. That's exactly right. We need to start prophesying to ourselves. And when you read this word, take this word, and you put yourself in that, and you put your name in those promises, and you begin to say to that little person inside, this is who you are. This is who you were created to be. This is what God wants you to grow up into. Be bold and brave and prophesy this to yourself and declare this over yourself and then pull up your big pants and go out and be the thing. Amen. <laughs> I wish somebody had told me this years ago. Does this mean anything to anybody? Thank you, Jesus. You know, if we got this as a church, as a body, as a group of people, as women, and we began to, you know, help one another, I don't think that, was that really a God thought you just spoke? Yeah. You know what? I believe, and then just say the exact opposite. I see that in you. I, you have the mind of Christ. You can do all things through Christ. I believe in you. And we start, not, not in critical way. I can't believe he said that. No. No. Like a prophet prophesying to one another, encouraging one another, building one another up in love. Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And we speak that to one another. Man, just think what women we would become. Warriors. That's what he's created us to be. Warriors. So what I want to do, I want us to make some declarations today. Do you guys ever make declarations? We do this at, in, in a close every church service with declarations. Because what are declarations? I take the st statements of the Bible and we declare them over ourselves into the spiritual atmosphere so that we can build ourselves up and then go be that, right? Okay. And there's some of them I've written down there, but why don't you just say after me, I am a child of the King. I am a co-heir with Christ. Jesus bought and paid for my inheritance. I am loved. I am forgiven. I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I'm accepted in the beloved. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I have angels protecting me. I am united with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. I died with Jesus. I was buried with Jesus. I was raised with Christ. I am seated with Christ. Jesus gave me all power and authority over all the works of the enemy. I have authority over sickness, over sin, over demons, over the world. I am salt in this earth. I am light in this world. All things work together for my good. I'm a called according to his purpose. I'm being conformed to the image of Christ. 
I can do all things through Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! <laughs> you are more powerful than you think you are. Amen? And the enemy doesn't want you to know that. But you're wise to his devices now, aren't you? Are you willing to help, your, help yourself believe that and help others to believe it? Amen. Father, I thank you for these beautiful women. I declare that they are your handmaidens. They are your beautiful daughters, that you love them with a love that is beyond anything they could ever, in their wildest imagination, believe. So, Father, I pray that by your spirit that you would stir up the love that is in them. Stir it up. Stir it up and give them eyes to see, Lord, the revelation that you have put out this evening. That you, you are their good heavenly father and that you have all good gifts to give to them. I thank you that you are the God of peace. That you are the God of joy. The joy of the Lord is their strength. I thank you, God, that you only think good thoughts towards them. And, Father, I pray that you would help them over the days and weeks ahead to identify those lies that they believed since they were little kids, to begin to identify those and break the power of those lies and replace those lies with the truth of God's word so that they can rise up and be the great men and women of God that you've called them to be. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you guys. I pray that you have a great rest. And um, come back tonight ready to receive. Amen. Amen. Six o'clock. Six o'clock. Is there anything I should do now? Rest. <laughs> okay. I love that. You guys feel full? Hallelujah. everybody. Goodbye to those who are watching online too and thank you for watching. Hallelujah. Well, are we ready for another session in about two hours? Get up and stretch your legs and visit the bathroom or whatever you need to do. If you're hungry, go get you something to eat and come back. How many of you came from way out of town? How, how far away is the farthest person? How far did you come? 490 miles? <laughs> Tennessee. How far did we come? We don't know. What? Homestead, Florida. Oh, yeah. Homestead, Florida. Yeah, who else came from out of town? Well, we're honored that you guys would uh, come into this conference. Thank you for doing that. So, God bless you. Have a good rest. You are dismissed.